Want more of the Josh Scanlon podcast? Please. Please. Here you go. The Josh Scanlon podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Josh Scanlon podcast. This episode first appeared as a video on my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash heritage wealth planning. I hope you find it informative. Thanks. Welcome, my friends, to another edition of the Heritage Wealth Planning YouTube channel. Today, we're just going to talk about a couple of an, an article that I'd written on my blog recently, uh, my blog at joshscanlon.com. I've had this blog up since about uh, October of last year before I had the Heritage Wealth Planning website. So based on solely transition these articles from my my personal blog into the uh, the business blog. But uh, I haven't done it yet. And I, and I thought this was actually a pretty interesting article. I was talking to somebody today about mutual funds and uh, we had a good discussion. And, uh, and his, as most people are, his inclination is how you see about a mutual fund expense is to look at the expense ratio. And I want to, you know, for him, because I've been in this business quite some time and I try to do my best to help uh, newer folks, uh, like the folks before me who helped me to learn the business, the ins and outs and whatnot. And the best book you can possibly learn to get started with mutual funds is John Bogle's uh, CEO of Vanguard, the founder, not anymore, but the founder of Vanguard, Common Sense on Mutual Funds. That's the, the, that's the place to start for your education on mutual funds for sure. Uh, John Bogle, Common Sense on Mutual Funds. I probably have it back there someplace in my uh, my stack of books in my bookshelf back there. But uh, if not, it's somewhere around here. I have an autographed uh, copy of that book, which I'm very, very proud of. But so let's just dive into this because I think it's actually important. Most investors still and rightly so have mutual funds as opposed to individual stocks. Um, and you should. Uh, nothing wrong with individual stocks, but a stock is a gamble. A mutual funds less risky inherently because a mutual fund is a... It consists of a basket of stocks. You know, it could range from you know, probably not going to be any less than 50 to 100. And lots of studies out there show that once you hit about 40 stocks, you have a pretty diversified portfolio where one holding, if it goes kaput, uh, won't capsize your entire portfolio. So basically, you want something 40 or so stocks. You know, they have index funds. The index 500 is the 500 largest stocks in the United States, the S&P 500. You know, they have the Wilshire 5000, which is what they call the total stock index. And, you know, that's 5000 stocks. You know, some would argue that's too diversified. Eh, maybe I, I don't buy that, though. Actually, at the end of the day, I want to make sure the boat doesn't sink. And I want to try to capture as much as the return on the overall market as I can without sinking the boat. The nice thing with individual stocks, I mean, they talk about the Microsoft millionaires, you know, the secretaries, the, the janitors and whatnot who became millionaires at Microsoft, you know, because they hitched their flag to Bill Gates and the Microsoft company and same with Google and all these companies. Um, but for every one of those, there's a stock like uh, People's Airlines, uh, maybe Tesla. I mean, look at what's going on with Tesla right now. I mean, look at just all some of these concerns that go bankrupt. Uh, just there's not that many Microsoft success stories comparatively speaking, for you to gamble on that one. And that's what mutual funds are nice because they say at the end of the day, there are going to be a bunch of different stocks, which means, or bonds, but I'm talking about stock funds right now, um, which means you're never going to hit a grand slam. You're never going to hit that grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. You're just not going to with two strikes on and two outs. Um, it's not going to happen, but you'll never strike out either. Uh, you'll never go bankrupt. And I hate to say never because anything could happen, but 
the rule of thumb was a diversification will will diversify you from any one company's risk sinking your entire life savings. And that's that's a, a good place to be. Uh, so mutual funds are the way to go for most people. Um, they have this brother now called ETF, Exchange Traded Fund. And I'm using those those terms interchangeably here or intermingly, I guess interchangeably is the right word, I think. Uh, so when we're, I'm saying mutual funds, I'm also saying ETFs. Um, just in the back of your mind. So I'm just using them synonymously. Okay. So don't, uh, don't get too caught up in the, the semantics here. But one of the things I want to talk about is how expensive are mutual funds. And this is what I did talk about uh, in my blog here uh, is that they do have a lot of hidden fees. All right. Um, <laughs> lots of hidden fees. And, and there's been lots of professors discussing this and it hasn't taken, it just hasn't taken, it hasn't become taken fruition yet in terms of the disclosures that the SEC requires. So for all the insane amount of paperwork that we get from prospectuses and quarterly reports and annual reports and all this, a, a big elephant in the room is that the, the true expenses are still not discussed and that's the trading cost. And so we're gonna talk about that here in just a second, but let's look at the one that most people know, which is the expense ratio. Mutual fund expense ratio is rule number one. So if I'm looking at mutual funds, I wanna know what the fees are gonna be. The first thing I do is look at the expenses. And that is front, uh, front and center on the prospectus and any kind of analysis you do. You go to finance.yahoo.com. I'm looking at a Morningstar chart here. The, the expense ratios are first and foremost what you're going to see. It's very uh, conspicuous. All right. They can't hide it. And that's just the cost to operate the funds and to pay the fund manager. Turn the lights on to pay the guy or lady who's running the fund. Send out the letters that you need. And you're paying for all that stuff. Um, and, but you need to know what it is. So the expense ratio on a typical average stock fund is about 1.2% or so today in the United States. All right, so 1.2 is a typical average stock fund in this, uh, in this day and age. Um, some funds are a heck of a lot cheaper. Index funds over at Vanguard, for instance, will be one-tenth of 1%. Um, you know, a good actively managed fund is probably going to be about 0.65, like in American funds, they have 0.65. And the fund I'm using here is Fidelity Magellan. Uh, just to give an example, yeah, right there, FMAGX right there, Fidelity Magellan, which is a large fund, has billions and billions in assets. But you can see right here, expense ratio, 0.67. All right, so that's in 2017. Oddly, their expense ratio is 0.46 in 2013, and, and it's actually gone up. I don't, I don't get that. I actually looked at prospectus. I'm not sure what the why it went from 0.456. It's just odd to me, but you know, you need to know it does change. Ideally, the expense ratios should be going down as economies of scales kick in. What that simply means is uh, they have more and more assets coming in. Um, the economies of scale it doesn't cost any that much more to have prospectuses sent out to, you know, to all these more people that the costs go up gradually while the assets come in and go up exponentially. So it should be able to reduce the total expense. Um, and it hasn't at Fidelity since 2013. I don't get that. But with that said, you know, 0.67 for an actively managed fund is quite cheap, relatively speaking to what the average is. And again, the average is about 1.2. So that's pretty good. In fact, here's Morningstar category average for their large cap growth funds, they're saying it's 1.18. So that's you know, that's pretty significantly, uh, that's about half, which is pretty good. So kudos to Fidelity there. Uh, remember, at 0.67%, 
That means it costs you $6.70 per $1,000 invested per year. All right, so 0.67 costs you $6.70 per $1,000 invested per year. 1.818 will cost you $11.80 per thousand invested per year. All right, a Vanguard fund at, or Fidelity's got index funds, Schwab, 0.1 will cost you, what's that, uh, ten, a buck? A buck per $1,000 invested per year, I guess. Yeah, about a dollar. That's pretty doggone cheap. So you see a significant range there. A dollar with a 10 basis point expense ratio index fund to Fidelity 6.7 to the average is 1.18, which is $11.80 per invested per $1,000 invested per year. You can see where that can really be a pain um, in terms of the, your performance. If I'm paying a dollar, for every thousand dollars, and you're paying eleven dollars for every thousand dollars invested per year, yeah, that's a that's going to be a pretty steep climb for you to to beat me. That's for sure. Um, all right, so that's fine. But what you'll see, and that's what I say up here, is that you'll see that it tells you front and center the expense ratios point six seven. But there are more, more than just expense ratios, which I talk about here. In fact, there's this uh, paper right here from a CFA publication, which I'm not going to click on it, but the professors from the CFA, which is the Chartered Financial Analyst Group, and lots of research done from CFA folks. And CFA is kind of like the folks who manage your money. So a CFP is a financial planner. A CFP, a certified financial planner, is what I do. A CFA is a guy or lady who actually manages your money. Completely different entities there. Please don't think they're intertwined. They're not. CFA analyzes all the paperwork that goes into stocks and bonds and mutual funds. I don't do any of that. It bores me to death. So a CFA is that person. So this paper from two finance professors who wrote for the CFA journal said, we found that funds annual expenditures on trading cost were comparable in magnitude to the expense ratio. And what I say is that means the actual trading cost of the funds are essentially the equivalent of the doubling of the cost of the funds. Because if you have an expense ratio of 0.67 and these uh, profs say the trading costs double that, equal that, 0.67 for expenses to pay the fund manager, to put the prospectus out, to turn the lights on. But the trading costs themselves equal that cost. So now our expenses are double from what we're seeing. But where do you see those costs? Well, you can't. Trading costs are nowhere to be found. You can't find it. They're not a prospectus, not on websites, they're not on the SEC, Security Exchange Commission, Commission. they're not there. And that's a big deal because if you have no way to analyze trading costs, how could you possibly know what you're paying? Now, let me just take a side note. Any mutual fund, let me just get rid of that, it has an expense ratio. You don't get an invoice for it, my friends. It doesn't, you don't pay an invoice for the fee. You have essentially have no clue what you're paying for. And so that's why a lot of these funds charge you that 1.18 or 1.2 because they can, they can, they get away with it. On the other hand, if you're actually invoiced and you're paying a check, I guarantee you're not gonna be so willing to pay 1.18% when you got a check one out. But because it comes out of your account automatically, you never see it. It's never reported on the website. You have no clue. Well, you factor in trading costs in there too is <laughs> at the end of the day, what are you paying for? What's the incentive for the fund manager to minimize your costs? I mean, just, I, and I'm not saying they don't do it, but I just don't know. But there is no incentive because no one knows. It's completely hidden. 
but it ain't free. Someone's paying the cost to move money from point A to point B is you and me as investors. Now, I wish there were a way to analyze the trading costs. And one way people do is they look at turnover. Turnover is just how much of the portfolio trades each year. So let me give you an example. If you have 100 stocks in a portfolio and it has a turnover of 100%, that means all those 100 stocks were traded at one point that year. Or maybe, I mean, 100 trades were made. Does that make sense? You had 100 stocks, 100 trades were made, turnover 100%. 100 stocks, 100 trades are made. Some people say, yeah, but it's not not all of the stocks have to be traded. That's true. A stock can be traded once and then traded again. That's 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 two and they could have kept one stock. At the end of the day, you have 100 positions, 100 trades. That means your turnover is 100%. If you have 100 positions in 50 trades, that means your turnover is 50%. So you would think it makes sense that turnover would be a good way to analyze the cost of trading. 100 trades is going to be more expensive, you would think, than 50 trades. So one of the ways you look at it is say, well, if my turnover is high and my expense ratios are high, that means my cost is quite expensive. If my turnover is high and my expense ratio is low, eh, that's, you know, who knows? But turnover is high might mean that's expensive fun. But here's a problem. Not all the time, not necessarily. And let me show you what the professors found. They actually found turnover does give while turnover does give a true uh, it, it doesn't give a it does not give a true indication of trading cost. They found a five hundred million dollar small cap with a fifty percent turnover will have a much higher trading cost than a one hundred dollar one hundred million large cap with a hundred percent turnover, despite the lower turnover on the bigger fund. So turnover in of itself is not a requirement to determine the expense of the fund. So remember, a 500 million small cap with 50% turnover, that means half the fund is traded a year, will have a higher cost than a 100 million large cap with 100% turnover. And the reason for that is simple. A, small caps usually are more expensive to trade than large caps. And they got $500 million of, of holdings. So 50% of 500 million means 250 million of their holdings is going to be traded throughout the year at a higher cost because they're small cap funds. Here you got 100 million holdings and large companies are cheaper to trade because there's more volume. More volume means there's less uh, bid ask price differential. Just there's more supply, more demand, more demand, more supply. It's easier to meet for bid ass. The spreads are closer. On a small cap stock where the volume is low, I might ask for two bucks for my shares. You might be willing to give me 150. That's a 50% spread. If I'm trading Microsoft, I might ask you know $100 for my shares. You'll give me $99.99. That's a one penny spread. So that's the difference between small caps and large caps. But here, 100% turnover on large cap funds means they're not going to have as much bid ass difference spread is what they call and they're only trading 100 million in stocks. So they basically have lower uh, cost to trade and less to trade, even though they're trading more. I know that's confusing as all can be. And that's why it's problematic that the SEC doesn't mandate some kind of way to judge this to say, hey, what is the cost to manage your fund? So because if we don't have that cost, turnover is a decent category to look at. So here's the uh, turnover rate for Fidelity. 
88% turnover in 2013, which is odd because that coincided with when their expense ratio was the lowest. Interesting that. Uh, then their, their turnover dropped significantly to 51% in 2017, which is when their expense ratio went up. And again, expense ratio is not indicative of turnover costs. It just is not. So it's interesting. Turnover is high in 2013. Expense ratio is low. Turnover is low in 2017. Expense ratio is higher. I don't know what to make that. It's interesting nonetheless. But at the end of the day, we know for what, according to these professors and many, many, many other studies, which I link to in my, my article here, talk about turnover and how it can really uh, be detrimental to your overall portfolio. So what do you do? Well, here's the issue. And this is what these professors will say. Uh, overall, we conclude that so-called invisible trading costs have a material and negative effect on fund returns. Uh, in fact, they're saying the difference in average annual returns for the funds in the highest and lowest quintiles of aggregate trading costs is 1.78 percentage points. Whoa, that's huge. So the funds with a higher turnover are trading costs. Again, trading costs is not synonymous necessarily with turnover. And I, I just made that mistake myself. The funds with the highest trading cost on aggregate have 1.78% lagging on their respective funds that have a less of a trading cost. That's huge. I mean, if you look at the average fund, let's just say it averages 10% a year for simplicity. And I have a fund with no trading costs, I get 10%. You have a fund with higher trading costs and you're down 1.78%. You are down inherently 17.8% relative to me. That means your net portfolio was 17% lower than mine just because you traded that much more. It did not put money in those fund owners' pockets. 1.78% on a 10% total return portfolio means you're losing 17.8% on that 10% to trading costs alone. Then you throw in the expense ratio, you're losing another. In this case, the Fidelity Magellan was a 0.65, I think. Yeah. You know, you're losing 6.5% right there. So you 6.5 plus 1.78, and I'm just using this as an example. This is not attributable to Fidelity Gellin. You're losing 2.5%. That's 25% of the gross return you're losing to fees and trading costs. Yeesh, but you'll never see that. You'll never get reported. Sad. So the solution is a simple solution. A, find funds with little turnover. That's the, probably the best you can do. Little turnover, little fees. I cannot tell you an index fund per se will have little turnover because they do trade when the S&P changes its constituents in the S&P 500 or the Wilshire 5000 or whatever the index that you're using. But generally speaking, because they're not active, the index fund will only trade a little bit just to keep up with the indices that they're following. So inherently, there's going to be less trading, which means there's going to be less trading costs. Now, the Vanguard Index 500 fund is a huge fund. So when they're trading that puppy, I mean, that's a lot of trades and transactions that got to be happening in order to get the index where it needs to be relative to what the S&P 500 says. So it's huge. In that case, it ain't going to be cheap on the trading costs. But at the end of the day, there won't be many tradings. There won't be many trades simply because they don't trade much. It's indexed. So we know for a fact, you know, an index fund, and not here to, you know, toot the horn for Vanguard. It's just they're the, the company 
and John Bogle, who started the whole trend towards that. So the Vanguard trading costs are going to be lower because they're index fund. Their expense ratios, internal expense ratios, are going to be lower too. You know, you don't know the total trading costs when they have to make a change because the constituents of the S&P 500 index did, but it won't be much. I think like five companies a, a year trade or something like that out of the index. So that won't be much. So at least, you know, for two things, their internal expense ratios that you can actually visualize will be low. The second one is the trading costs will most likely be low as well. And the third one, you don't know, is a great unknown because it's such a big fund and they have to make significant amount of trades and transactions to match the index. How much does that cost in the overall scheme of things? I, I don't know. But of the three ways to look at it, you know for a fact that turnover and expense ratios for an index fund will be significantly lower than most of the other funds out there. And I guess, you know, uh, uh, two out of three ain't bad, like that old song from the 70s. I love you. I, what is it? I, I don't know who sang it. Ain't no way I'm ever going to love you. That's what two out of three ain't bad. That's the same thing here when it comes to trading costs, expense ratios. And then finally, what is, you know, their total cost because they have so many, uh, they have such a big position to trade. I, I don't know that last. That's an unknown. But I'll take two out of three. That's a good place to start. All right, so I hope this helps. The links to these articles are in here, just joshscanlon.com. I'll put the link on this in the show notes down below. And uh, this is a pretty good start for you, folks. I would actually go to Morningstar, just type in your ticker. And again, Fidelity Magellan, F-M-A-G-X, G as in golf, X as in X-ray. Uh, you can look up you know, what their expense ratios are to relative to the peers, relative to the Morningstar categories. Um, and you can that'll give you a starting point perspective. They can go down and look for even more uh, what their turnover is, and that will show you as well if they have high turnover, low turnover. High turnover with high internal expenses, eh, you might want to shy away from that. Low turnover with low internal expenses, that's probably a good place to start. All right. Hope this helps. Put some comments down below if you would. Uh, always subscribe, please. And thumbs up. I'm telling you, thumbs up helped me greatly to spread the word on YouTube. And uh, don't forget to subscribe and, of course, hit the notification. I don't see it on here. The notification bell uh, for that way you'll be notified the next time we have more content here on the Heritage Wealth Planning YouTube channel. Thanks, guys.